Welcome to a very special edition of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. Yes, indeed, I say special because it is the April 30th edition in the reading of the reading one-year reading Bible plan. Man, that was a tongue twister. I just set myself up there. The one-year Bible plan uh, is, as it sounds, a plan to read through the Bible in one year. Old Testament, New Testament, proverb, and a psalm every day, and we get through the entire Bible. Um, What makes today special is the date. It is my wife's birthday. So if you see Taylor Farley or know Taylor Farley, you be sure to tell her happy birthday. She makes my life amazing, and I hope that when she hears this podcast, we can put a smile on her face, and uh, I hope that you guys will reach out and put a smile on her face also, because she puts smiles on my face all the time, grateful that the Lord has allowed her to be a part of my life, and I will now at this point stop with the sappy love words, but I couldn't let April 30th reading go by without uh, mentioning that uh, the most special person in my life was born on this very day. So I'm hoping for a very exciting, interesting, and spiritually fulfilling reading here on April 30th. Let's see what we've got. Let's jump in. Old Testament reading is Judges chapter 11 and chapter 12. Now, Jepheth of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Amorites began their war against Israel. When the Amorites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, Let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah said to messengers to the king of Ammon, asking, Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Amnon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom, asking for permission to pass through his land. But their request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. 
They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get there, get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So, you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Ammonites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? You keep whatever your God Shemosh gives you, and we will keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for a disputed land? Did he go to war against them? Israel has been living here for 300 years, inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements all the way to Aor in its settlements and in all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? Therefore, I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord who is judged decide today which of us is right, Israel or Amnon. But the king of Amnon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. Ooh, Amnon, let Jephthah's on red. <laughs> yes, I don't know if that cultural statement will stand the test of time. So let me explain what I mean. In 2020, when somebody sends you a text message and you read it but you don't respond, it's called leaving somebody on red. And when your wife does it to you, since this is my wife's birthday, it means you are in a great deal of trouble. It means she saw what you said but you weren't even worth responding to. Now, that's exactly what happens. Jeff F. sends a, a plea. He's saying, don't attack us. We've been living here 300 years. We didn't take it from you. God took it from you. Amnon did not think that was cool. And uh, instead of taking the time of day to respond to Jeff F., he just, he doesn't even pay attention to it. So we'll see how that works out. Verse 29. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jeff F., and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. And from there he led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Aor to an area near Minith, and as far away as Abel Karam. In this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child. He had no sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out, you have completely destroyed me. You have brought disaster on me, for I have made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. And she said, Father, if you have made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me what you have vowed. For the Lord has given you a great victory over the enemies, the Ammonites. But first let me do this one thing. Let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said, and he sent her away for two months. She and her children went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned, her father kept the vow he had made and she died a virgin. 
So it became a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Well, that is a very sad story. I was not looking for that on April 30th. But that is what it is. Um, yeah. Sometimes, especially as we read the Old Testament, there's just stories that are just not fun to read. But we must remember that the Old Testament is not uh, prescriptive, it is descriptive. In other words, it's describing what happened. It's not actually prescribing who God is. We must remember that. And um, when we don't understand a text like that, we look to Jesus and we remember that uh, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of who God is. If you want to know what, what God is like, you don't try to decipher it from random Old Testament text, you um, you look to Jesus and uh, because Jesus is God and he showed us who God is. And God is a God of mercy, a God of love, a God of grace who came and although he deserved to be served more than any other king, he laid down his crown. In the Gospel of Mark, we see that he came not to be served but to come as a servant, laying down his life for us living the perfect righteous life we couldn't live, dying the death we deserve to die, rising again so that those who call upon him might receive his righteousness. And he took on our sin, purifying us, uh, as well as defeating sin and death and giving us that same power, recreating us. It's the gospel for those of us who trust in him. And we believe there will be a, a kingdom that is to come. And we believe this because we have we have a down payment, a promise, and that is Jesus's resurrection, and then sending us the Holy Spirit, Spirit indwelt in us. So we believe firmly that there will be a day in which God's kingdom reigns, and there is no death, there is only life. There is no sin, there is no sickness, there is only life. And so as we move out of chapter 11 and into chapter 12, let us remember that. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We are going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Amnon. So, when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you. And the Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you now come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, You men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim, they would ask. If the man said, no, I'm not, they would tell him to say, Shibboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would say, Shiboleth. Now, there's a difference. Shiboleth and Siboleth, because people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly, <laughs> and people from Oklahoma can't either. Can I get an amen? Then they would take him, it, does, it doesn't say that part about Oklahoma in the Bible, I, I added that part if you were wondering. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossings of the Jordan, and all 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at this time. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah's death, 
uh, Ezebun of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Ibzan judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried at Bethlehem. After Ibzan died, Elon from the tribe of Zebulun judged Israel for ten years. When he died, he was buried at Ajalon in Zebulun. After Elon died, Abaddon, son of Hillel from Parathon, judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. When he died, he was buried at Pithron in Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. And that concludes our Old Testament reading for today. Moving on to the New Testament, I know this is going to be beautiful because it is, many would argue, the most beautiful poetry in all of the Bible. And that is John chapter 1, 1 through 28. It is the prologue. There are um, people who have dedicated their entire lives to studying just the prologue. That's how beautiful this is. John, uh, throughout his book, we're going to see, weaves in themes of creation. Why? Because Christ comes to recreate, to restore the world, to restore God's kingdom. Uh, And so, just as the Bible in Genesis begins with, in the beginning, let's jump into our New Testament reading and notice how it begins. Verse 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who is the Word? The Logos. It's Jesus Christ. That's that's who John is referring to. Verse 2. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. In other words, it's through the life of Jesus that we can see ourselves. Uh, we can see the, the path of true wisdom clearly. He Uh, calls us to repent, which would mean to turn from our wisdom and to turn to his wisdom. As he illuminates our life, we're able to follow him. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of this testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. Isn't that beautiful? The painter, the one who painted, the one who created, entered into the painting, and those of us in the painting didn't recognize him. In fact, we killed him. Deep. You can see why people give their whole lives to studying this. I'm going to reread verse 10. And I'm going to try not to commentate on every line, but it's just so rich. I'm going to let you just listen to the rest of this chapter. Let me know what stands out to you. Because if I let you know everything that stands out to me, it's going to be a very long Bible reading. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one 
and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I know I said I wouldn't talk anymore, but that's exactly what we were talking about in the New Testament. You want to know what God looks like? Verse 18 tells us, you look at Jesus. No one's ever seen God, but we can look to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has revealed God to us. Verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John. And, and by the way, this is not um, the John who's writing the book. The, the, the book of John is written by the Apostle John. Uh, John is talking here about John the Baptist, who's a cousin of Jesus. He came before Jesus to proclaim who Jesus was. That's just something you got to clear up when you're, when, you're, when you're in the Gospel of John. You start reading about a guy named John. Verse 20, or sorry, let's just read verse 19 again. This was John's testimony, John the Baptist, when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to the proverb of the day, Proverbs 14, verses 13 and 14. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. Backsliders get what they deserve. Good people receive their reward. Finally, we'll be praying through the 101st Psalm, Psalm 101, a Psalm of David, verse 1. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. Oh, Lord, how I wish I could say that I agree with David. But if I am honest in my own heart, I know that while I strive to live up to these verses I've just read, Lord, I know that I fall short. And yet, Lord, what amazing grace is there to know that somebody came and lived them for me. It wasn't King David. It was King Jesus who lived the perfect blameless life, perfect pure life. And he gives me that righteousness so that I might be counted as righteous. And then in that freedom, I actually begin to pursue this godly life. Thank you, Lord, for that good news. Verse 6. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. 
I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Well, my friends, that concludes our reading for today. Hope that you enjoyed it, and happy birthday to my beautiful wife. I hope that you uh, get the opportunity to tell her happy birthday also because I know it would make her smile. And like I said at the beginning, when she smiles, I smile. And I love reading God's Word. Thankful that you joined me today for this April 30th edition, and I hope to see you back here next, or almost said next week. How about you come back tomorrow as we begin our reading in May, and we will continue on in the book of Judges and John uh, and continue to see how those storylines continue on. So hope to see you back here for the reading through the to- reading through the together. Man, I am out of words, so it's a good thing we're ending this podcast. How about reading through the Bible together podcast?